We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, recovering, I think. Hopefully, I'll be recovered more after the next uh, half hour, 40 minutes or so. Because uh, I'm hoping that tonight's guest can can lift up my spirits a little bit. He usually does that. He's very good at that. Um, and he's also very good at breaking down and analyzing this basketball team that we all know and love. Uh, DJ Zulo. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's been a, a complicated last uh, day and change in trying to digest what we witnessed in game two. Um, I don't know if I am uh, the man equipped to necessarily lift your spirits, unfortunately, because I have I have some concerns, which I'm sure we will get into. But it is nice because I was I, I've been literally thinking about this game since it since the buzzer uh sounded and it, i've gone back and forth in terms of how i feel so i'm hoping that once we're done with this conversation lee i will have more clarity on what is uh just a lot of this isn't as simple as oh the knicks got their yeah. one game on the road there is a lot to sort of digest here i'm i, I wish i could come over there and give you a hug because <laughs> you phrased it it's much in what I tried to do in two hours last night after the game, you just did better than I did in 30 seconds. Um, it's not as simple as that. Mm-mm. I think it is the, it is the sort of, I, I went back and like you did, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about it. I rewatched it. I, I this isn't a simple one, right? To, to, no, because there's things that Cleveland is doing and those things are working. And then there are things that we are, we, because I, we, I play for the team, uh, the Knicks are doing to themselves that are certainly encouraged by what Cleveland is doing and furthered along by what Cleveland is doing. But I am the, the fence that I'm on and I have, a, I feel like you might be on the same fence is like, is the, it, are the things that are going awry here, things that the Knicks are capable of, fixing irrespective of what Cleveland is doing and and what they are bringing to the table. And like implicit in that question is 
I don't know how else to put it. Are we good enough? Like, mm-hmm. are, like realistically, like, yeah, everybody's capable of anything at this time of year. Right. But like realistically, based on the personnel that we have, are we good enough to get out of this thing? That's kind of where I'm at. Are you pretty much the same place? Yeah, I am. And I listened to you and Benji yesterday. So, um, and you guys did a tremendous job coming on as soon as that buzzer ended and trying to figure out a way to analyze uh, that game. And the theme to me that I took from your conversation with Benji was the Knicks are going to have to make quicker decisions because the Cavs are going to put them in the position where that is a necessity. And the question is, and this is something that I feel like we've been talking about since Tibbs came on two years ago and Randall sort of took the reins as one of the high usage guys on this roster. Are they equipped to make those decisions, especially when things get tight, um, whether it's a regular season game close down the stretch or the playoffs against Atlanta where they, they fail that test. And I am not in spectacular fashion, in spectacular fashion, which, you know, we, we, it was, you know, we talked about ad nauseum and we've gone to this team right now. And I don't know if they have the wherewithal to sort of take what Cleveland is, is going to do. We saw them do it. They're going to take the ball as much as they can out of Brunson's hands. They're going to overload his, his strong side and force him to either make that pass over to the weak side or get the ball out of his hands quicker, uh, quickly. And then force one of the Knicks uh, players ancillary pieces to make a play. And to do that, it has to be crisp. It has to be fast. And there were too many occasions yesterday where the pass was just a beat too late, where the decision was just a split second off. And that is the the sort of situation where all those creases and all those lanes that close up fast, this team engulfs you. And it's amazing how, how much, um, their defense on the back line can sort of just move and, and, and they have arms and legs and limbs everywhere and you have to be on point. And this Knicks roster, that is not a strength of theirs. We have talked about since October, what they're good at and what they're good at are the things we've been talking about since October, taking care of the ball, offensive rebounding and making tough shots with their two best players. And I don't know if they have it in them to sort of uh, flip that switch and and make those plays with the sort of Christmas and um, uh, not hastiness, but just sort of get into their actions a little bit faster. I don't know if that's something they're equipped to do. And it might be a situation where they just have to do the things they've been good at since um, day one and just do them better in game three, game four and so on. You just made me think of something because so often about it, when we talk about a Tom Thibodeau coach team, the, the conversation immediately goes to, well, they're always going to play hard and he's always going to raise the, he's a floor raiser, right? He, he raises mm-hmm. the floor. And I think we could actually go a step further than that, at least with this team, which is that not only did they do perhaps as good a job of anyone in the NBA, close to it, of playing to their strengths, but I want to say that they played to the comfort level of their players. They talk, like it's no secret how Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly and RJ mm-hmm. and like all these guys want to play. Perhaps the only guy who doesn't get to play the way he wants to play is Obi Toppin, who has kind mm-hmm. of been marginalized. Everybody else, though, for the most part, like even Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes gets to do two things he's great at either spot up and shoot or put the ball on the floor and, and make a play on the way to the rim. That's what they want to do. And because they get to do those things because that's the first domino. I know I used this analogy last night, but I feel like I have to go back to it because that's the first thing they get to do because they don't, you don't play a great defense every night and you certainly don't play defense that game plans for you every night with the skill level that the Cavs have. You get to set up the dominoes as you want. And 
with Cleveland now taking away how you want to start that chain reaction, it's like, like logically I could be like, how in God's name did the Knicks go from having tied for the third best offense in the league to now they are putting up 101 point, whatever it is, points per hundred possessions, which would be last by seven or eight points, whatever it is. Well, that's how, Mm -hmm. and that feels like a massive drop off. And like, but it makes sense to me. And I guess, I don't know if, the thing that is most troubling to me is the things that they have been strong at all year, offensive rebounding, getting to the line um, and shooting uh, and um, not turning the ball over two out of those three things are going really well. They are the best offensive rebounding team in the playoffs as of where, where the Laker game has just started. So theoretically someone can pass them, but they're the, as of we're recording best offensive rebounding team in the playoffs, third, most uh, highest free throw, um, rate in the mm-hmm. in the playoffs and they're actually making their free throws for once so those two boxes are checked and then you look at the turnovers and look the turnovers are killing them don't get me wrong but guess who else is turning it over and shit done the Cavaliers which is like not something that they usually do so it's like they kind of have checked like two two and a half of those boxes and but it's so much on what you talked about and I'm just my then let's get into how we fix it because like we know what went wrong let's start here do you think there needs to be, I don't want to say personnel changes, but like, do you think the answer is with who is on the floor together and how much time maybe those players spend together? Let's start there. Yeah, I think he, I, I definitely thought about this and I don't know if this is a, I don't know if a major move is in the cards right now. And I don't necessarily think it's the right. I think there are basketball moves you can make starting in game three that could make some sense. Like what? Don't, let's talk about well, it. Let's talk about it. So I, 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 at this point right now, I mean, we've, I don't know if RJ Barrett is giving you the production on either end of the floor to justify the minutes he's playing. I think that's a fact. Now you're an I, RJ guy, by the way, I just want everybody I, to know. Yeah. I am. I, I've been, relatively high in him since, since day one. And I think he's, I, I, I'm not necessarily, I'm not impugning his outlook as a player, but right now in this moment, I don't, it's not what this is about. And I don't know if he's the right guy at this point for what the Knicks are needing. Now, if you go and you bench RJ Barrett or you, let's say you start Josh Hart in game three, after taking a game in Cleveland, I, the message you are sending to your team, I don't think is, is a good one. I agree. Now, if they're down two one and RJ struggles or um, quickly struggles, or Mitch again is put in this position where he's having to make plays on a short roll and he's just not equipped to do it, then you can talk about major changes. But I don't think if we can go down the list, they need Quickly's ball handling. I don't think even if he's not shooting well, there's no world in my estimation where he's not playing. They're going to have to work through and he's going to have to figure it out or they're not going to win. I, I think Tom is going to make sure their rim protection is in line. And Mitch has been absolutely, I put it um, in a thread. He's been impervious um, as a rim protector. I, I pulled the numbers. The Cavs are nine of 26 against Mitch overall. Three are of you 15, serious? Nine of 26 when, he, when he's the closest defender. Oh my Three God. of 15 within 10 feet. Now, if you break that down even further, Mobley, one of seven and Allen, two of six. And we've seen this. This isn't like Mitch was in the vicinity and he happened to get credit for it. He is meeting these guys at their apex and he's deterring shots. He's offensive rebounding with abandon. That hasn't changed. I don't think you can move away from him. RJ is the one guy where you could theoretically come up with a scenario 
where you replace his minutes with either Hart, McBride, God forbid, Fournier, and you have a situation. Oh, oh, I can't. I, <laughs> but, I can't. I, listen, I, I understand. I, <laughs> right now, he is not inspiring confidence in me. And I don't think his defense has been bad. I thought his passing in game one has been, has been, was really good. I thought he took a step back in game two. I agree. But with both of those statements. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not providing what they need right now. And again, I wouldn't make the move for game three. I think you have to hope that there is something there that he can extract as a driver, but it just seems so tough because they are cutting off every angle for him. He's not getting all, all the way to the basket. He's resorting to those push shots and the fadeaways. And it's just, he's not hitting shots from the perimeter and his defense, while it's been pretty good, I don't think it's necessarily something that you are holding your head out head on as a, as a positive. So, I, I mean, let's focus just because uh, it is a, because people are going to hear this and be like, what do you, his defense has been very good. His defense in game one was good. I thought his defense took, I don't want to say it took a, a, like he was the primary defender on Garland for a lot of what Garland did. And he made Garland's life difficult. He definitely made Garland's life difficult. I don't know that whatever he is giving you in terms of defense on Garland is that far and above what you can get out of the remainder of your wings. And that includes Emmanuel quickly who look we, you perhaps as much as anyone have prayed as we all have praised Emmanuel Cookie's defense. Emmanuel quickly point of attack against a guy like Darius Garland. That's not where Emmanuel quickly wants to be. That's not where you want him. That's not his strength. I still think if you're, if you're, if you have to sprinkle in a little quickly and, and look, let's just be very clear about this. I don't, there's no world where RJ Barrett gets removed from the rotation and you are so right. There is no world where they change any of this before game three. That's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. It would send a horrible message ahead of the first uh, home game of, of the playoffs. We're talking about kind of adjusting moving forward, and I, I completely agree with you. you it, there, it needs these sorts of things need to be considered. I like how you countered it with Mitch because I know you know the numbers as well as I do. The numbers with Mitch on the floor on offense are poo poo. They're scoring mm-hmm. seventy something points per hundred possessions with him yeah. on the floor. That's that's now a lot of those minutes are with RJ, which is why, again, I love how you phrased it. It's like, well, hold on. If we move RJ from the equation and we, and we get quickly in there as another ball handler, does that mitigate some of what you lose with Mitch not being Hardenstein on offense? And like, the problem is we're already two games into this thing. So like the, the time for experimentation is, is running, mm-hmm. running low. So I don't, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't, I, I yeah, I I'm, I'm like you, I'm like, I, I don't, really know which way I would turn. Well, it's, it's, it's tough. And I, I think, and I'll give RJ a pass on, in, in this regard, he is, he is miscast right now as a defender in the sense that he shouldn't yep. have to guard Garland. No, it's just not a matchup. That is that there, there are not many wings in the league that can guard a shifty point guard that can get in the paint. That is an elite shooter from the pull-up situation, a great pick and roll player. He's doing this because the Knicks don't trust Jalen Brunson to guard the opposing opposing point guard that can score. That's the that's, that's right. the first original sin. Now here's the thing: I want if you remember the last game the Knicks and Cavs played in the regular season, the Knicks started Brunson on Garland. It yep. was the first time all season they had done it, and Garland smoked him, and it was not fun to watch. And it was, he didn't have a, a chance against him. And I don't know if that was sort of the Knicks 
let's see if this could, could work because knowing that this was the likely matchup and I think they saw that. And if, if I was a coach, I would be petrified of putting Brunson on Garland. Now with that said, I don't know if the Levert is going to be the guy playing 35 minutes, if they shouldn't go ahead and try it, because if you're going to have RJ out there, I love where you're going with this. He could, he, you put him on Levert and it's a, he can hold his own. Yes. You give Brunson the, the, the assignment on Garland. You sort of balance out your defense and you take something off the table that Cleveland has has done. They made the first move. They put Levert in. The Knicks are going to have to decide if they're going to live with Brunson guarding Levert in situations where in closeouts where he is giving up three, four inches, where he's giving up 30 pounds. Levert is crafty. He was making passes in the paint. He is a He's making shots. He is a really hard one-on-one player to defend when you're six, five, six, six, let alone six, one. I, I think the Knicks should consider at least the idea of just putting Rip the Brunson, bandaid off. Yeah. And seeing what happens, because I, I, I think that at that point, I think you at least get to a baseline where things feel normal and things feel like at the point where defensively they don't have a lot of answers when Lavert is out there and you're trying to hide Brunson on him. If it's a Coro, if it's Osman, if it's Dean Wade, go for it. If it's Danny green, Lavert is tough. And I think the Knicks have to consider making a move to sort of mitigate that advantage. Um, so here's the other problem, and it's uh, that's why this is such a fascinating series, and we and it was a fascinating series before it started, and it's even more fascinating after two games. Everything you talk about on one end of the floor bleeds into the other end of the floor. Right. So if we're sitting here and we're like, okay, the Knicks need more ball handling on the floor, um, what's the way to do that? Well, you try to get Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel quickly on the floor at the same time. Okay, great. You're not going to adjust your starting lineup may- yet. Maybe not at all. And if you do adjust your starting lineup, I, they're not putting in Emmanuel quickly for RJ Barrett. If anything, they're putting in Josh Hart for for RJ Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. You're going to continue to bring quickly off the bench. He, him and Brunson have played 12 minutes together in this series through two games. I don't particularly think that is enough. I think they need mm-hmm. to increase that number a lot um, if they want to have a chance to score at a rate that is that is going to beat this team. Okay. Well, then if you get those two guys out there, then all of these issues that you're talking about in terms of the Cavs being able to like, okay, peel the bandaid off, pick like, this is your poison that you've chosen. Um, This is, this is the method you've chose the method of your destructor, which Mm -hmm. is a a line I used in a newsletter earlier this week. And I'm just going to go back to the well. Um, Well, now if you got quickly out there too, well, that exacerbates the problem. And like, I, I think like, look, they're they're bringing this all this all emanates from like the 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 Cavs are able to bring these screeners up and it and the Knicks centers are just they 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 it's some version of drop right like there's no other option there's some version of drop and you're either dropping a little bit further so you can try to have your cake and eat it too in terms of well I I I'm, I could still get back and 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 protect the rim if the if whoever it is garland or or mitchell uh turns on the jets um but like then they could pull up from three and again it's like okay well what's the poison you want to live with and i don't i i don't know what the answer is well, I, I just don't know it's well it's very tough and if you look at it now we can 
we, we've talked a lot about how defensively what the, what they could do. We know the Knicks have struggled in the half court. 76 points per 100 in the half court. <laughs> to, just to put that in context, the worst team in the NBA this year in the half court, points per possession per cleaning the glass. Can I guess? Houston Rockets. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, the Houston Rockets. Uh, no, I was going to, let me guess the, in the half court. Half court. You want to guess the, the number? Is it in the 90s? Barely. 91. <laughs> okay. So, so the Knicks are 15 points below, below that, that threshold. That's now, the Cavaliers are at 88 points per, uh, per 100 in the yeah. half court. So the Knicks defense, and with all the issues that, and now again, a lot of that is with the coral in, in, in the in the lineup. He's taken a lot of the, a lot of those um, minutes so far. Um, so I think with Levert out there, that number is obviously going to be a little it's bit higher. higher. I think the Knicks defense is not. We're not. I think they're going to be okay. Now, where they go offensively is where it gets really complicated because you're going to rely on guys and you talked about at the beginning that have certain roles and that have fit those roles perfectly that are being asked to make decisions and make plays, the ball, the ball in their hands. And that I I just don't know. I mean, there was a, there was a moment where Quentin Grimes got a swing and he had um, Josh Hart had a seal on the left corner. The three was there. Garland's closing out. Now it wasn't a wide open uh, shot, but from the left corner, Grimes is one of the best in the NBA. And he decides to, to sort of beat that close out, drive the ball. And that's when he bounced it off uh, Josh Hart's hard head and uh, created a turnover. And it was one of those situations where, you know, he's getting a few uh, cracks of the apple. And in that moment, he made the wrong decision. He should have shot the ball. Yep. Um, he didn't. And, and that is the, the sort of, you know, situation where you're, you're only getting a few opportunities. You have to make the most of it. And the Knicks have to figure out a way to get more three pointers um, up and they have to obviously be more efficient. Their frequency has been very low. They're at 36% of the regular season. They're down to 31% three point uh, frequency uh, in the playoffs. Their percentage is terrible. They have to figure out a way to generate more threes. And part of that is what I mentioned at the beginning, swinging the ball faster, getting it from strong to weak side and just letting it fly and figuring out a way to generate more looks. That is how this team can sort of bridge that gap offensively a little bit. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants 
delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And you want to talk about comfort level again. Mm-hmm. Part of what I think made the Knicks, cause like again, they're not dumb. They know they're not a great shooting team. I think part of what made them comfortable in the regular season is the fact that they knew they didn't have to be perfect because especially if it's Mitch, but even if it's Hardenstein going to clean up on the offensive glass and Mitch got a lot of offensive rebounds in game one, not so much in, in game two, but like I, I, the, the putbacks, even if you grab the offensive rebounds and Hardenstein got a bunch in game two, the putbacks aren't as easy because you have at least one of those guys down there. And for a lot of the game, you have two of those guys down there. So that exacerbates that issue. Um, Let's go back to the offense for a second, because I, I completely agree. I said it before the series, and I, I feel even stronger about it now. They need to get up threes, and they need to give get up quality threes. Now, part of that is on guys like Randall and Brunson, who have the ball a lot, and, and RJ, if he's going to continue, because he's had the ball a fair amount, finding, because Grimes has been open. Like, there, if you go back and watch, you'll see him open on, on occasions where he does not get the ball. It, it has to be a point where it's like, if he is open, we are getting him the ball. He, he, you have to treat him as someone who is as important in the offense as in a way like Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall are, of course it's different, but like he's got, he's got room. We're going to get him the ball because I think that is the thing that will start to you know, kind of grease the skids a little bit. If he starts making some of those and gets Cleveland a little gun shy there, I think that's the first thing. And then, yeah, we talked about, we talked about getting quickly on the ball or uh, on the floor more with Brunson. Um, And I think that's a start. I think that's a start. And then, you know, you, you got to try to mix and match, you know, and, and, and survive on the other end. I I'm, I'm like you, I think they're going to be able to defend 
well enough to win this series. I'm I'm more afraid on the on the offensive side of the ball. Um, let's speaking of which, let's talk about Julius Randle for a minute hmm. because you added context to the the quote tweet I had from from the Low Post podcast because it's not just RJ Barrett that has sucked in the playoffs. It's Julius Randle too. It's it's and we have enough of a sample size now where we could say that he had a great first half, necessary first half in game one. They don't win the game without his first half in game one. Um, but other than that, it, he's been bad. I guess that the thing that I'm wondering is if you look at where he tried to get his points in game two, he tried to, and that's why I'm la- I'm, I find it funny where everybody's like, okay, let's get more physical now. Mm. I don't know how Julius Randle's supposed tried. to try to get more physical. He, all he did was try to get under the mm-hmm. rim and bully his way to baskets. And guess what? It didn't work. No, he's got four inches. You know, Mobley's got four inches on him. And Allen in there. Every time Randall got in the paint, he tried to lower his shoulder. Yeah. Head fake, head fake, head fake. Mobley doesn't draw, jump. And it's a either a strip, it's a block, or it's a it's it's a bad miss. So I don't that is not gonna bear fruit. No, and it, 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 it it's not. Really and there just isn't uh, you know, that's the thing. There was a lot of way more ISO. So he made one turnaround. Early in the game yesterday. In the first, yep. First quarter right. over Mobley. First, and that was a yeah, tough shot. Tough shot over his right shoulder. So going, you know, uh, away from his his dominant hand. Um, it's a shot that he's not been good at his his entire career that he ended up making. Great. It's it's, it's one of those situations where if that that is how they're going to generate offense, it's not going to work because, Mo, you know, for what we, we've talked a lot about Mobley you know, in terms of his lack of offense and his, his finishing has been really bad for the most part. But he's a damn good defender. He's he's he, one of the best defenders at his position. You're not gonna just want ISO him and figure out a way to score 25 on decent efficiency. It's not gonna happen. So nope. now, where do you go from there? Um, I have a that's thought. Tough. I, I, could we get? How do we get Randall going downhill? And I know that's like, well, duh. If you could get Randall going downhill, well, of course Randall wants to get going down. It's easier said than done. I'm just wondering, is there any way to do that? And I don't really. Again, you you, you really keep answer. him off the ball. You keep him off. I mean, the only way that you do that is you keep him off the ball, and whether it's quickly RJ or Brunson, you sort of have the defense funnel in towards you as the ball handler, swing it, get it to Randall where Mobley is now closing on him to the point where he's not set. And then either Rand- Randall's taking that shot, which he yeah. did. Uh, he quickly had a play in the second half where he got into the paint. Danny green was at the nail. He dug in, he was on Randall, opened up the Randall shot, quickly kicked it out to him. Randall, no hesitation. He, he, he um, cashed that, that three pointer in, but that is a situation where if, if he doesn't shoot that ball, then you can, you can attack a closeout. And it's a little bit easier when you have a guy closing on you versus a situation where you're just, you're catching the ball and then it's, it's jab, step, jab, step, head fake. And then you're trying to, to figure out, figure out a way to generate offense against an elite defender. It's not going to work. So having him off the ball and figure out a way to get in the paint, get the defense moving a little bit and swinging it back to him. And he's actually really good attacking a closeout. But then the other situation is he beats Mobley. He's got to deal with Allen in the paint. So it's, that's and why it's this trusting is, him as a playmaker, right? That's which, and you know, hit or miss, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's so hit or miss. That's, I mean, look, this is a, and you said it multiple times uh, last night. This is why this was a, an elite defense during the regular season. They are, Absolutely. Every time you come up with our, the Knicks can do this. Oh, but the Cavs can counter in this way. They they have a counter for ev- almost everything you're going to try to do, especially going to the basket. So there's no easy answer, but 
a answer that I'm somewhat comfortable with is getting Julius off the ball, having him try to beat a closeout, and then either getting to the rim, drawing fouls, and um, or just taking that open shot without hesitation, something that, that he has been better at uh, this year. So those and are some of the ways that maybe he can get going a little bit. I, I completely agree, and that's why – and I, I brought it up when I talked to Jeremy the other day, and to put an even – like I, that, I don't think this is a great matchup for the Knicks for as much as they beat this team three games. But again, in the in the way games they won, I don't know how many, if any of those, the Cavs really had all of their guy. Like they, they they were missing guys in in various games, and plus it's a regular season, so it's like. Yeah. And one of those and, was the Brunson forty eight point game, and you yeah, know, I don't know, so you can't really count on that in, in terms no. of you know. Now, home. I, right. I think we're going to get a Brunson game or two move. I, I hope we're going to get a Brunson game or two, but that's I'm, I am counting on that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I was going to say is the reality. And I think what we're learning, and it's not only on one end of the floor, it's on both ends of the floor. You, you need a big wing who could do stuff to beat this mm-hmm. team, because if you have one of those, you can make your life a lot easier in terms of your perimeter defense. And oh boy, if it's a ball handling wing and if it's a guy now granted, look, there's like eight of seven of those in the league that are really good. And they are the best, they're the toughest commodities to come across. So it's like, it's how you go out and just get one of those. Right. But if you have one, it that's, what's going to be able to give you a little bit of a trump card over this defense. The Knicks don't um, is go, just go back to Randall for a second. I almost wonder like, can, should they just not, I mean, I don't say change his role, but like, so you say, get him off the ball. If there's opportunities for him to, you get him downhill. Great. And then if he doesn't get the ball in a possession, he's just crashing the offensive glass because he is very good at crashing the offensive glass. And I feel like that is a way he could use his physicality to an advantage, but then instead of maybe going to look and go right back up, and this is not something he's done yet. I don't think turn around and look for who is the yeah. available three-point shooter to kick it to, yeah. which then leads to, okay, you got to have three-point shooters on the floor. That means more crimes. That means more quickly and get those guys in rhythm and get those guys um, shooting it. I, you know, and I get implicit in like the getting quickly on the floor more, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of guard guard pick and rolls. I feel like mm-hmm. in this series, not, I don't know if we've seen one involving quickly in Brunson, uh, maybe we didn't game um, one, and I just there. There was one, at least one in game two that okay. a- it ended up sort of uh, the Cavs didn't switch it, but they hedged really hard. It ended up being a one-on-one Brunson Levert ISO, okay. and it was a Brunson. He he ended up missing a a step back three, um, but that might have been the only one. I would I would two. try to go back to that yeah. and see if that bore more fruit. Yeah, um, I agree. And just, you know, you got to get Brunson going because he is the closest thing you have to efficient offense. And if he gets going, it gets every, it gets all the other dominoes, um, I think, at the very least in a place where you feel like you can you can have success. Yeah. And um, well, the one, real quick. And if yeah. I, I, I would just say this, I would love to see more quickly pick and roll starting out much deeper. So right, as soon as he crosses half court. Don't, when he has I, the ball, when he has the ball, okay. Set, this set is what Benji up. was talking about last yeah. night about getting quickly on the ball with maybe get, maybe with Brunson on the floor. Get with Brunson on the floor, off the ball, get quickly. But it's not necessarily just getting him the ball. It's setting that that um, that screen as soon as he crosses half court. So you're getting quickly downhill to where that's either going to turn into a pull up three that he has not had. Uh, if he has one uh, this this playoffs or the, these two games, I mean, he only has that. one make. 
the one make. Right. But so, I mean, I think that's a way to get him going and it's a way to get the Cavs off him because he is just not equipped right now in this point of his career to deal with the ball pressure. And I think with the way they're, they're handling him is that they are taking away that floater. So they have their big playing more at the level. So that floater has gone. And because he's not separating off that initial screen, the Cavs, whether it's Garland or Danny Green at one point, they're they're getting right back in front of him. So he they're just swallowing his space up. And I think that if you can set that screen a little bit farther out, that can maybe give him a little more room to operate, get Brunson off the ball to where he's he's getting a couple catch and shoot opportunities, uh, getting uh, a close out here or there, and not ju- not having to deal with all these ISOs, all these giants sort of swallowing him up in terms of the strong side, that might be a way to, to help, you know, kind of kill birds with uh, two birds with one stone in, ter- in terms of helping quickly helping Brunson. And people are going to hear what you said and they're going to be like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Br- Brunson uh, quickly doesn't have the, the ball skills at this point in his career. We just, we've seen yeah. him, you know, uh, score all these points, you know, on the inside of the arc dribbling around. That is after he gets yeah. the initial penetration. He right. needs to get it once he gets in there and once he gets his guy on his hip, then he can do all, all kinds of his, the fun stuff that we have come to know and love. He's not getting that initial. He's not getting in, in the door. You know, he's not so, right. He's and then not. you couple that with the fact that there there's no drop that that is going to allow him to get into that floater. This is no. they are playing. They, they This is what it is. I mean, they're taking away so many things. Um, in terms of quickly is the best on the Knicks in terms of making that weak side pass that to the opposite corner. And that they are snuffing that out. I mean, there's just, this is what it is. So you're going to have to counter and figure out a way to get him going. Um, you have to in different ways. It just, it is what it is. Um, now the, the other issue is that the, the Knicks shooters, Grimes and quickly, neither one are your classic off screen movement shooters. No. And, and that, that's another limitation that we're seeing and that, and that is well, Grimes can do it a little bit going to his right off handoffs with Randall or Toppin. I would love to see more of that, but in terms of just sprinting around a screen, catching and going, it's, it's not something that's in their skill set at this point. Um, hope they, hope they d- develop that going forward. But again, it just, it, it makes everything tougher when you're stagnant and you're not moving. It, it requires that crisp ball movement that we talked about at the beginning. I'm here's where I'm at. And then I'll throw it back to you. See if you have anything else to add before we get out of here. I, they in game two for as bad as game two turned out to be, they were winning that game up until the end of the first quarter. And it was a one point game three minutes into the, into the second quarter. And really you could go even deeper than that. Like there was, they were that, like it, uh, three minutes left in the half. You were, you know, it was funny. Jeremy said it last night during the playback. He's like, let's get it under, you know, single. Let's get it to like mm-hmm. six. And mm-hmm. you felt like you could do it. And then there was just that final like avalanche where it's just they they kind of let go of the rope. Yep. Um, I think you continue to try your best to defend them out of the gate and muck up the game early. And then maybe, and I, I don't know how exactly he would rejigger his the rotation in a way to do this, maybe pulling Brunson early, maybe doing Brunson into, with the three shifts that he did with Randall in, the, in game one. And he, I guess he did it with Randall again in game two. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, try and then trying to score when they are, because they can't play only 
five guys. They have they have to go to Chetty Osmond. They have to go to Danny Green, and then you try to you try to score your points against their bench and trust that your lesser defenders can survive again against the likes of your Danny Greens and your and your and your Chetty Osmonds or whoever they else they decide to play. I. I and again, I could sit here and I could say that, and it sounds great. It's hard to do. It's hard, you know. It, yeah, it, yeah. Well, I, I think the one thing that is still has been a strength um, since the Josh Hart trade, and something I think they can go to and even enhance a little bit more is their transition opportunities. It is, sure. yeah. you know, the half court is going to be a slog. It's just, they can, they're going to hopefully improve off 76 points per 100, but they're not going to be in the, you know, they're not going to crack the hundred. Um, they're not going to be um, efficient in that area. How are you going to generate offense? Well, transition is one way that beyond the free throw rate, which has been good beyond the offensive rebounding, which has been good. That is another way that they can uh, do some things. Now I, in game two and Fred Katz in his article, he touched on this. Mobley was back every single time in the second half and he might uh, he, in, transition. Time, in transition. And there were times where he was the only guy back yeah. and that was enough. And was, that is again. It speaks to how how good he he's is. The third, he was the third leading vote getter. The first player. The guy's a second year player. He's, he's second he's, year. Uh, the third leading vote getter. He's 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 incredible defensively. But that is an area that the Knicks have been good at since um, Josh Hart. If that, I don't necessarily know how they're going to enhance that. Whether it, it could just, it might have to be just be a team wide. Listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to push the ball off makes, off misses, off free throws. We're going to off steals obviously they're going to have to generate points outside the half court and transition is the one thing that they have in their cards that I think is an advantage for them because if they're going to try to play this game primarily in the half court they're not going to score enough even if they're playing solid defense on on their own end how about this again again it's this is what the Cavs is going to make you do got to get out of your comfort zone what do the Knicks want to do in transition they want to attack the basket well guess what that's not working and by the way you have some guys on your team that when they're in transition they're not very good at attacking the basket when there's a big body back there yeah um well, we know quickly and grimes have they've done it they are good shooters off movement yeah. uh, in in transition not necessarily in a half court but you get them going um in a straight line they can make shots yeah get them some that is another make, great way of getting that's them a way looks. to get them open baskets yes yes you know, yes. and, and and like we saw, we saw Brunson try to push the pace in game two, but he was pushing the pace to try for to get himself zone, going. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's like, again, the more we talk about this, like, OK, there's a there, I feel like it's football coach. There's a seam there and there's a seam there. Like there are there are seams. <laughs> there are avenues. Now they close avenues. quickly. They're they're avenues that you have to. Yeah. That is the, that is, again, it gets back to are they equipped to make these decisions on the fly in a red hot environment? in a moment's notice, we're, we're going to see. Um, it is an open question. Now, I, I was hoping that I was going to boost your spirits uh, this <laughs> evening. And I, I feel like we've been both kind of commiserating together. But I, I, I don't think this is a lost series. I picked the Cavs in seven prior to the series. I, I, I still would probably go with that. I, don't, I haven't seen enough to, to sort of change off that theory. I think this is the Knicks have a fighting chance in this, which... Listen, for what where this team has been over the last several years, I'll, I'll take it, but they're going to have to do some things that, uh, as you mentioned, that is outside their comfort zone to figure out a way to deal with a great defense with a couple of great uh, defensive players. And we haven't even talked about 
the Donovan Mitchell factor. And we could be, you know, he might have another 30, 40 was, point game in his, in his bag, which you have to deal with. Where, where can I place the wager that what did he end up 17 points a game to where yeah, can I place the wager that that is going to be the lowest yeah. point total that he has uh, now, he, in the series. I looked the other day, he, every playoff series, almost to a T he will have a seven for 25 game. He will have a 10 for 31. If it's a long, you know, five plus game series. So maybe that is, he's got one of those in his cards, but and Levert's, but we should also say Levert is not, I don't know what Levert's final stat line was. Levert's not always going to be as good as he was. Like there's a reason why it was, he was option number three, you know? Okay. Um, Push back a little bit on that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So here, here yeah, you, look at, you, look, you look at Levert over his career. You're right. He's been inconsistent. That has been a hallmark for him. He can score 41 night and he can score 10 on three of 20 from or 15 from the field. If you put him against the likes of Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel quickly, you allowed him to ISO point. for 82 games. He's not going to be so inconsistent. <laughs> and I think that that is, if you're the Knicks and that is the matchup you're going to yeah. put out there, I think you have to bet, you know, you have to just say, I'm giving, I'm going to give him looks that he's very comfortable with. And I would, I would expect Levert to continue to perform well against um, those matchups, which, you know, is going to be a problem. I mean, not to say he can't, you know, have a stinker here and there, but against Brunson, against quickly, not sure I bet on that. You want to know the answer to what we could have saved ourselves 40 minutes? Yeah. What do you got? Make some tough shots. Yeah. Be better on like make better decisions, make mm-hmm. quicker decisions, make tough shots, and they're gonna have to. And there's a reason defense defense translates in into the playoffs. Um, you got to bear down, and you just like they just you have to be better. And in game two, again they 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 lost that game because they couldn't score, but. The cat and I, I think I was a little off base on this when I talked about it last night. Like the the Cavs ended up with one hundred seven. They they could have gotten like they found their groove. Like it was a slog early, and and credit to the like how the Knicks defended in the first fifteen minutes or seventeen or eighteen minutes of that game. They have to defend that way for for forty eight minutes, and that means no. No pouty Julius. Uh, I didn't get the ball in the corner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to allow Evan Mobley to get an uncontested dunk. Um, like uh, that's the example that stands out in my head. But there were a couple other instances where well, I mean the Cavs out. Um, they they won the offensive rebounding battle. You yeah. can't do that. That just can't. can't no, you can't. Can't do it. You're not going to win, and you have to win that that category every single night. Um, so uh, I think they will clean that part up. I don't expect the Cavs to win um, that uh, stat line on the offensive glass again, but it, they did in game two, which is, was part of the reason why the Knicks, you know, struggled a little bit offensive uh, on defense. Yeah. Um, no, I got to clean that up. Clean it up. There, there goes Andrew. There's the title of the episode. Clean it up. Uh, DJ, you're the man. Anything else before before we get out of here? Listen, I will be in game. I'll be in MSG for Game Three, which oh, that's awesome. uh, I live in North Carolina, so I'm not able to get up there that often. So I will be there. I'll be rocking the uh, Knicks Film School swag. Here we go. We're, I'll uh, be it. back. So I will, I will be representing. Hopefully, get to you know say hi to a few of you out there. Um, just hoping for a rock and re- arena. I think the you know oh. MSG was amazing for that Hawk series, and I expect nothing less uh, on Friday night. It's going to be loud. I hope. I hope that the environment. I don't. I, here's the nice. The one thing I will say is like I don't. I think we have more guys now because in in the Hawk series, it was just for me at least. It was just Derek Rose and Taj Gibson that did not kind of cower. 
under the pressure, under the bright lights. I think we have more guys now that are that will be inspired and emboldened by playing in front of the home crowd than perhaps yeah. we did two years ago. So and I hope your presence is good karma. Um, before I let you go, remind the folks in for if for whatever reason they don't know where they could find you, um, where they could find you. Thank you. Yeah. A Sulo, um, A C E underscore Z U L L O on uh, Twitter. I have my YouTube channel on the, in my profile. Um, you can search the craft MBA on there. Um, hope to be a little more active getting those videos out, but I've been, you know, so locked in on the Knicks. I haven't been able to do so, but I hope to get a couple out in the near future. But, you know, thanks again for having me. This has uh, been a blast. I feel like I have a little more clarity then um, I did 40 minutes ago. So I appreciate the uh, therapy session Dude, trying to figure out what happened on game two. Your analysis is just so top notch. I, I feel like, and, and again, I, I don't, I don't hide it very well. The fact that like, I love this sport so much. I could study it for, I could see a hundred years and I wouldn't be able to do what you and Benji do as far as just like watching the film and being like, Oh yeah, this thing, that thing, that thing. I, I just don't see the game that way. So I have all the respect in the world for what you're able to do it. and your content is incredible. Please everybody, if you're listening to this and you have not yet followed uh, DJ on Twitter, do that and absolutely subscribe to the YouTube because there's tons of great stuff on there. I can't wait to see what you come out with. Um, uh, over the course of the rest of the playoffs, assuming maybe the Knicks don't make it all the way to the finals. Maybe you'll have some, some insights on some of the other teams on your YouTube channel. I'll, I'll sure. keep an eye out for, for that. Thank you. Of course, man.